everyone, and thanks for listening today. I'm Kelly Sharp, Business Development Director in Indianapolis, and today I'll be talking with TAF partner Rob Lott. As many of you know, Rob has represented a wide variety of clients who have been harmed by PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. His work is the subject of a feature film titled Dark Waters, featuring Mark Ruffalo, Anne Hathaway, Tim Robbins, and others, and a documentary, The Devil We Know, and is detailed in his book, Exposure, Poison Water, Corporate Greed, and One Lawyer's 20-Year Battle Against DuPont. In this episode, we'll catch up with Rob to hear what he's been busy with recently, get his thoughts on what it takes to persevere through a case of this duration and the lessons learned, and we also dig into the book writing process and his involvement with the film. So, Rob, thank you for joining me today and taking time from your busy schedule. Thank you. Good to be here. Great. Well, since many in the firm are familiar with the DuPont case, and we've included links to resources in the episode notes, I don't want to spend too much time on the details of the case, but can you give everyone a brief overview to get us started? Sure. Uh, it was about, I guess, 22 years ago, 1998, I got a call um, in the office in Cincinnati from a gentleman on the other line who was complaining about cows dying. Um, and we ended up taking on his case and that led to us discovering that there was a chemical in the water that the cows were exposed to uh, that, frankly, nobody had ever heard of and was completely unregulated at the time called PFOA. It's a chemical made by 3M and was sold by DuPont and making Teflon. And when we started digging into all of that information, it led to the discovery that the chemical was not just in the water the cows were drinking, but was in drinking water of that entire surrounding community, some 70,000 people, led to a class action lawsuit we took on in 2001, and then a whole string of cases that led uh, from that um, against not only DuPont and other locations like New Jersey, but also against 3M up in Minnesota, and you know about 20 years of litigation with those companies, and end result being that we found out that this chemical PFOA was one of hundreds, if not thousands, of these completely man-made toxins called forever chemicals that are now uh, in drinking water all over the United States, frankly, all over the planet, and in the blood of virtually every person on the planet and every living creature, and now led to a, a, a new large wave of litigation that we're involved in all over the country and actually in other countries as well um, to try to help people who are being exposed to these chemicals as people are now slowly realizing that this has happened um, and you know because of things like the film and the book and the documentary so it's been a quite an uh, quite a process to, to to watch unfold absolutely and and it happened over a lo really long period of time and it's very detailed in the book um, and also, you know, summarize kind of in the movie in a con more condensed version, but it's clear to me that you remained or had to remain very passionate throughout the duration of the case. But how did you stay so passionate that long, and how did you persevere through what I assume there were many highs and lows along the way? You know, I think a lot of it was just the, 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 the severity of what we were dealing with, you know, digging into these documents and seeing what was, in fact, a, a massive public health threat you know, to, to, to thousands, if not millions of people that was going completely unrecognized. You know, the public wasn't aware, the scientists weren't aware, the regulators weren't aware of it. 
and uh, you know, working with clients like uh, Mr. Tennant in West Virginia, the, the, the farmer who was raising the cows, you know, that were very adamant to, to make sure that we got this story out and that people were able to, to, to start taking steps to protect themselves. So just knowing that we had access to this information and frankly, there were probably, we were probably the only ones who had that information, just really was a, a motivator to make sure we kept going and did everything we could to get that information out. Sure. And you touched on, you know, noted your current matters, but you've certainly been busy and you continue to work for these exposure risks and, and bringing public awareness to the to the risks. What are you currently working on um, that you're able to share with us? Sure. You know, as, as, as uh, this information finally started to come out about not only PFOA, but these related chemicals in drinking water all over the country, uh, you know, these chemicals were used in things not only like Teflon that DuPont made, but things like Scotchgard or firefighting foam. Um, and so as, as testing started to begin in 2016 and 2017 all over the country outside military bases and airports and particularly places where firefighting foams were used, uh, people were realizing the drinking water was contaminated in hundreds of cities across the country and in, in other countries as well. So. We have now been working, we are, we are representing states through various state attorney general's offices. We're representing dozens of water providers all over the country, uh, including a new multi-district litigation down in federal court in South Carolina, uh, representing the people who've been exposed to these chemicals and are now having to face millions and millions of dollars of costs and water treatment systems and things of that nature. So. Um, really trying to to to, to help um, these impacted folks um, all over. So states, water providers, community members, um, just a, a new wave of litigation we're involved in. Mm-hmm. And looking back, are there lessons that you learned from the DuPont case that you're able to apply to this current work? You know, I guess just to to stay focused on 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 the big picture, you know, making sure that this information gets out and and finding ways to 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 represent clients you know to our best ability and in creative manners as well you know and realizing that oftentimes representing the client goes far beyond just just being in the courtroom and just the legal filings you have to deal with the science with the regulators with with the media with uh, with uh, the PR um, spin machines and things of that nature so uh, realizing that these cases can be a, a multifaceted, multi-front uh, project. Sure. You absolutely have gotten to know a lot about science throughout the years, especially in the book, it, it sounds like. So your cases, they involve working closely with co-counsel. And what have you learned over the years you know, about working together in the best interest of your clients? And do you have advice for other tax attorneys who often work with co-counsel? Uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a it's a difficult process. Uh, there have been very good experiences and maybe not so good experiences mm-hmm. over the years. You know, you really got to find co-counsel that are uh, really uh, willing and wanting to be part of a team. You know, that that can fill a, a vital role, particularly with dealing with the local communities, the local courts, uh, and being willing to to jump in and and share the workload. Um, you know, at Taft, we have certain levels of, of um, work and um, uh, attention to detail that we expect, and we've really got to 
you really got to make sure you do what you can to, to line up with firms that share share that work ethic and share that philosophy. Right. Um, and turning now over to you are quite the speaker and presenter, and you're often quoted in articles, and, you, and you know, these opportunities have led you to be seen as a thought leader, a go-to expert um, in the forever chemicals arena. What has your experience been like, and how did you become comfortable, well, that is assuming you are now, with public speaking, working with the media, and so on? Yeah, that was a, a gradual learning experience for me. Um, I would say that at the beginning, I was not very comfortable doing that um, and was fairly uncomfortable, you know, about speaking particularly with the media or, you know, outside of the, the, the context of the litigation, but, you know, slowly began to realize how important that was and how, how important it is to make sure that, you know, our clients have an, uh, a, a, an, an equal voice in what's going on and, um, you know, helping to, to provide information to the public, to scientists, to regulators, um, in a way that they can understand when uh, there are efforts underway by your opponent, you know, to make it as confusing and as complicated as possible. So, you know, it's really been, um, you know, really a learning experience for me to be able to get out there and, and try to help people understand, you know, pretty complex science, pretty complex regulatory and, and legal issues. Mm-hmm. And have these opportunities you've been able to leverage them, or have they led to you developing new business? They have. Uh, you know, over the years, um, you know, as we've been more visible on these issues of PFAS, and as that's really become a, a concern to communities and regulators and, and uh, scientists all over, you know, they've turned to us uh, because we are out there and vocal and speaking on these issues. Um, and really sort of seen as uh, the folks, you know, to, to ask and to understand these questions. Uh, it's led to a lot of, a lot of new, uh, a lot of cases. Like I mentioned before, we've been approached by different states, you know, state attorney generals to represent entire states in these cases and to represent water providers. And now we're representing, oh gosh, dozens of different uh, communities and states and and water providers all over the country now. All new work uh, that has come in through our uh, our visibility in the PFAS world. Quite a wide range reaching with all these opportunities. Yeah, and we're also, you know, it's okay. also with our corporate clients, you know, that are mm -hmm. coming to us seeking advice about how do we avoid situations like this, you know, and how can you help us make sure we understand, uh, you know, what's coming down the pike from the regulators because, we are, you know, we're in touch with what's happening and what's developing on the science and the regulatory front. We can help advise our business clients on what to expect and how to prepare. Sure, that makes sense, doing those steps ahead of time to avoid litigation down the road. Um, Correct. Let's turn to the book writing process. Um, just curiosity on, on my end, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the book, and it's done extremely well. And I saw a New York Times book review said, for Aaron Brockovich fans, it's a David versus Goliath tale with a twist. Does this description resonate with you? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, that was an interesting process. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, I know as all of us as lawyers, you know, we're taught to write a certain way, you know, very, very direct, very non-flowery, so to speak, you know, without adjectives and things. And, and frankly, to stick to the facts and make sure it's accurate. And, um, you know, it's it's 
it's a balancing process when you're you're working on a book and trying to do it in a narrative form, you know, to make sure that you're not only staying as accurate and as faithful to exactly what happened and providing information, but doing it in a way that people will want to keep reading. So it's uh, it was definitely a learning process for me. It's not easy. Yeah, I was going to say, did you find it challenging or enjoyable or both? Uh, both. It was definitely challenging. Um, you know, and it's, it's funny you mentioned the the Erin Brockovich um, connection. She is she actually reached out, um, uh, invited me on her podcast recently, uh, and has now taken on um, trying to help elevate awareness of PFOS as well. Uh, so you know, it's uh, interesting how things come come around. Yeah, kind of full circle. Um, and I'll take this opportunity then to ask you about the filmmaking and your involvement with that. How involved were you, and what was that experience like? Pretty, pretty directly involved, you know. Again, I wanted to make sure that if this was, you know, if this was being put into a film form, that it was going to be done in a way that was as accurate as possible. You know, definitely something that would, um, you know, help our clients and make sure that their stories were told accurately and, and correctly. Uh, you know, and was had the great fortune of being able to work with. Mark Ruffalo, who was the producer and actor in the film, and the folks are participant. And you know, if you look on their website, you'll see the kind of films they make are focused on, you know, bringing important stories out, not over sensationalizing. And so I was able to work pretty closely with them to make sure that the script was accurate and to make sure that um, you know, the stories were conveyed uh, correctly and um, it was great that they were able to to do most of the filming in in Cincinnati, even in our right. offices. So, was able to be there during a lot of the filming and help them, you know, figure out how does a deposition work? Where does somebody sit? How do you hand them the papers? And so, you know, right down to those kind of details. So, it was a fascinating process. Interesting. Was there anything that surprised you as as part of the filmmaking? You know the. The whole thing was really a an eye-opening experience just to, um, you know, after you've been working on something for so long and dealing with it really in sort of a hyper-technical legal science sense and, um, you know, realizing all of the complications of it and to see somebody who's a screenwriter, for example, sit down and be able to take that 20 years mm-hmm. and put it into a, you know, a two-hour um, presentation and really still get the essence and uh, critical parts of the story out. It was, was fascinating to me just to see you know, somebody um, using that same information but conveying it in a way you know, that the public can understand and the people viewing it can see why this is important and why this, why this, why this story matters. Yeah, that is very interesting because the book is very detailed. As you say, it is a long duration of 20 years, and how do you condense that to a two-hour movie? I always find that fascinating with other books that are inspired for movies. Um, do you keep in touch with Mark Ruffalo? I know he's continues to be an advocate, um, or does he continue to be an advocate? And if so, in what ways? Yeah, actually, I do, and you know, he's a, he's a terrific uh, guy. You know, just incredibly down to earth. You know, one of the nicest people I think you'd ever meet. Very genuine, uh, very very concerned about this issue. You know, he's a um, very very motivated in the environmental arena and very concerned about water issues. And you know, really was passionate about bringing this movie out and doing it the right way. And 
Uh, we have stayed in close contact. You know, he was out here for quite some time. You know, in Cincinnati during the filming, uh, we spent a lot of time together with the family, and and we've kept in close contact. In fact, um, he and I will be on a press conference tomorrow announcing some proposed new PFAS legislation. So um, he's he's really continuing way beyond the film to try to help um, educate the public about this health threat. That's that's pretty neat. Um, it's definitely the work continues for sure. Well, Ralph, thanks for being on the podcast today, and congratulations on your success and all the hard work that you do and, and continue to do on this front. It was interesting to, to hear what you've been up to and get a little insight to uh, the book and film. Sure. Thanks so much for having me.